welcome to mini episode 123 of Real Life Ghost Stories. If you were expecting to hear a main episode today, it is not going to happen, as today's main episode has been replaced by a mini episode. The reason that I have done this is because this week I'm away filming some super secret things for Real Life Ghost Stories, so I didn't want to put too much pressure on myself to get a main episode out that would end up being either not very good or not happening at all. So next week there will be a main episode and two mini episodes as normal. And today I have three spooky stories for you today and the last story comes from the 22nd of May 2021 and story number one comes from Jonah. My experience first started in 2006 in Draper, Utah when I was around 10 years old. My family was in the process of moving into our new home. However, the house was still in the process of being built and we needed to move into a rental home until the house was finished. The rental property that we moved into was fairly new only built a few years before we arrived and was situated on the side of the mountain in an old folks community. Long story short, the neighbours were very rich and very much over me and my younger brother being in their space. The house itself was huge and when my parents showed us to our room, I immediately felt a sense of danger as I walked in. The room itself was simple there were a few black smudges and handprints on the walls as if the previous renters made a mess of the room as they left. But what got at me was the feeling of the room. It was like I just walked into a room where there were several adult men all angry at me and wanting to punish me. That sense of danger I remember the most and could never explain why I felt that way. I began to cry and told my parents that I didn't want to stay in that room and finally persuaded them to allow me to at least sleep in the basement living room instead. I don't know if my brother had felt anything himself, but my level of distress must have gotten to him, because he didn't want to sleep in his room either. It perplexed my parents so much that I was afraid of being in that room, and there were a few times that my mother would try to coax me in by playing board games in the room, but I would never calm down. In the end, my bed was placed in the corner near the fireplace so I wouldn't even have to look down the hallway at night time. Weeks had passed. I started school and made some new friends. Nothing out of the ordinary had happened for the longest time. What perplexes me about my experience is nothing ever fell over. I never heard voices or noises at night and I would have rather had things flying around the house than what had begun in the basement. I had a dream a really short one, where I saw three pilgrims standing over my bed as I slept. One was a tall boy with a sort of top hat, next to him a shorter girl with a bonnet over her head, and next to her was a short young girl. I can't remember what she was wearing and only want to describe what I remember rather than guess. They were completely white, with a blue glow around the edges, similar to the glow of the full moon on a clear night. The three stood over me looking down with expressionless faces and in an instant they were over my brother looking at his sleeping body. After we both woke up later I told my brother I had a weird dream. He said he had a weird dream too and before I could explain what I had seen about the three figures my brother described them to me exactly as I had seen them. Later I asked my mother about the pilgrims and she told me that we were living close to where the pilgrims may have entered Utah back in the immigration period of the west of the US. It was such a strange experience, especially since I didn't know why their entire bodies were white. I didn't know what ghosts were at the time, and I never encountered the three again. 
Things began to get worse as the time passed. Our animals began to act strangely, with our cat going down that hallway each and every night and crying out. One of our dogs would only ever come downstairs to walk immediately into that hallway and would growl at something. I never knew what they were focused on. I was always too scared to look around the corner at the bedrooms at night and the animals would never stay around for long enough to investigate with me what they had seen. And this was when I first encountered her. I was asleep and began to have an out-of-body experience where I was floating above my own body. I travelled around the room for a bit before I heard a noise coming from that L-shaped portion behind the other side of the stairs. I floated over to see a dry brush phasing in through the wall like the natural fauna was overtaking the house. Visions flashed past of the pilgrims fearing for their lives, something about a baby that they couldn't find. I think they had died here. A shape moved in the brush, shaking it, and immediately a sense of danger came over me. In a blur, the figure charged out of the brush at me. The figure either moved too fast or its body was twisted around itself. I couldn't tell what it was. I panicked and raced back to my sleeping body. And just as I reached my body, I felt the thing attack me and hit me in the back. At this point, I woke up and became too scared to sleep downstairs. I began to sneak upstairs each night and sleep on the floor as close to my parents' room as I could get without them knowing that I was there. Nightmares were common after that and it was always a struggle to sleep. The only time I could find some rest was when I had my parents or my dogs close by. Even trying to sleep in the middle of the day in that house was terrifying if you were alone. Soon after, I became incredibly ill with some sort of stomach thing that the doctors couldn't cure. I wasn't sure what it was being 10 and all, but it made it to where I couldn't go to school. I was in so much pain from what I remember, I'd missed about two months of school. They also found four incredibly long scars that ran right to left on my back from something scratching me pretty badly. My parents were alarmed and the only reason I could think of having the scratches is from the dream where my back was attacked. Thinking about it now, it's weird that there were four when paranormal scratches normally come in sets of threes. Around the same time, I became incredibly depressed. This I know now, knowing how depression feels, but I still don't know when it started, since it's usually hard to tell when you start feeling depressed. At this point, I'd looked up stuff online about being followed by invisible people and animals and being scared of shadows and stumbling upon ghosts and hauntings. I told my parents about it, but they were only angry at me that I was trying to pull something. In 2007, we moved to another rental house, close to where our house was. It was nearly built and it was only needing a few months before we could move in. I was ecstatic when we finally moved, and I'd gone into the downstairs bedroom one last time as we moved out. The dangerous feeling was still there, as well as the feeling being in that corner of that L-shaped room. I remember staring at the wall with the handprints, and the feeling of danger, still scared, but happy that I had won and I was getting to leave. The new house was in a normal Utah suburb, meaning plenty of kids, and having to drive 30 minutes just to get to the grocery store. But as we moved, the feeling of her followed. I continued to have horrific nightmares, and now it wasn't just me. My mother began to wake up screaming every night, sometimes about spiders crawling on her, 
but mostly of shadow figures peeking at her from the doorway or from the foot of her bed. I was scared about the things we were both experiencing. Had the ghosts followed us here? I thought that ghosts stayed attached to the house they were haunting. Was this something else? Something happened. And again, I don't want to guess. I want to be truly honest about what happened. But it made it to where my parents decided to move everyone into the living room of this rental house. We set our mattresses side by side and placed all the extra furniture in the bedrooms, ready to move as soon as the house was built. In 2009, we had now been situated inside our new house as it was finished being built. I was still having nightmares and my mother was still screaming at night. And now my brother was paranoid that someone was watching him from our backyard every night. My brother on more than a few occasions had said he could hear someone out there. Or even hearing a bear of all things. Note, this was not bear country. My father seemed to be the only one not being affected by anything that was going on or was keeping it to himself. Sometime in this house, I did more research on the ghost haunting me, but things weren't adding up. And then I heard about how demons were able to attach themselves to people, how they wear people down and make them sick. I slept in a room by myself and I normally left the lights on. I would try and trap the dogs in the room with me so I could sleep, but they would keep me awake by trying to force the door open. And this next part is still hard for me to explain. I had a dream where I was in a vast, dark and cold area. The best way to describe it is as a giant empty warehouse in the dead of night. There was a single light illuminating the floor in front of me, with a girl with long black hair draped over her face. She was sat in the fetal position with her arms crossed over her. I approached her, only to realise that the girl had been long dead, as a putrid smell emitted from her, and her skin was barely hanging on to her bones. The light shuts off, and a roaring began all around me. All of a sudden, a massive wind erupted and nearly threw me to the ground, and with it came the screaming. Hundreds, if not thousands of voices, all screaming out as I was tossed around in what felt like a tornado inside the dark space, making it almost impossible to breathe. Screams of anger, of pain, of loss, it was all too much. I huddled on the ground and forced myself awake and looked around my bedroom to calm down, my heart still trying to escape from inside of my chest. I had never experienced anything so terrifying. I thought about turning the light on again for tonight, but thought against it because my room was a mess and didn't want to wake anyone up if I tripped and fell. Then a figure arose from the side of my bed rising off the ground. A woman, in the pale white with the glowing blue of the moon, just like the pilgrim ghosts from years ago. She was different, since the pilgrim ghosts never floated, and this woman was dressed in a simple, thin dress. She was tall and thin, and her dress and her hair billowed slowly around her, as if she were underwater. She smiled at me and leaned down, pressing a hand into my chest and pushed me back onto the bed. Now you're mine, she said. Her fingernails became long and thick, her dress and hair became ragged and thrashed around. Her mouth grew into a snout and she sneered a grin as boar tusks grew out of her mouth and fangs replaced her teeth. What are you? I gasped. The word witch popped into my head and her evil grin grew. When I realised she was lying, she wasn't a witch. But that is what she wanted to be known as, the witch. 
her sharp nails pushed into my chest and I fell back into the dream. She was laughing horribly as she pushed into me. The wind immediately took my breath away and the screams returned just as loud as before. I tried to concentrate to wake myself up, pinch myself, try to spike my adrenaline, any trick I've learned over the years to keep nightmares at bay. The wind pushing me off of my feet made it harder to concentrate and every time I would get close and resurface, the witch was there to push me back down into the dark. I thought about how long I could keep up my fight and if my alarm clock would be able to wake me up. Could I even last that long? It was then that I realised that I was screaming too, adding to the horrible cacophony of voices out in the terrible darkness that I can now only describe as a true vision of what hell is like. With the last of my strength, I stood up in the wind and called out into the darkness. You have no control over me. You have no control over me. You can't control me. I envisaged my mind behind a barrier. One that not only she was not allowed to enter, but that there was no chance of her entering. Similar to telling a toddler to break through a brick wall, it couldn't be done. I thought of the barrier, a wall made out of golden light and it quickly expanded outwards across the dark and screaming abyss and I woke up, with the sound of her evil laugh fading away. To this day I still can't explain the dream of the dark abyss, and if I was sleeping or not when I had seen the witch. The sceptic in me says it was all a dream, but I've never had a dream so detailed as to have my room littered with items, let alone laundry and toys laying the exact same way in the dream as in real life. I can't explain the scars that were on my back, or how me and my brother both saw the three ghosts of the pilgrims watching us sleep when we were young. I've never seen the witch again, at least not yet. But over the years my mother has complained to me about seeing the woman in white, and once when I was 16, I had a friend sleeping over see a woman in a white dress walking into our kitchen. Thinking it was my mother he had seen, he tried talking to her. I had never told him about the witch. To this day, I don't know for sure if any of this really happened or if it was all in my head. Sometimes I do go ghost hunting, to help the ghosts find peace if they are there at all, rather than to find proof of the supernatural. If you or anyone else would know if the demon I encountered actually sounded like something or even has a name, I would love to know if there's a better way to defend myself from it. And after all of this, I can say that I'm sleeping well and very much like horror now, but I will never return to that rental property in Draper, for the place will always be a place of incredible danger in my mind. Okay, so I'm going to say something, and I want to be really clear that this is not a criticism of Jonah's story. And it is also not a criticism of anybody's beliefs. But I do think the modern zeitgeist of paranormal investigation TV shows and stuff has a lot to answer for in terms of people being fed these absolutes about alleged demons where there isn't any real proof for it. So the reason I say that is because early in the story, Jonah says about how usually demonic entities leave three scratches or three marks when they attack somebody now i i've looked this up before right because I i don't even think there is any historical information about where this has come from this idea that anything that comes in threes is somehow demonic because i get it it they say in these tv shows oh it's a mocking of the trinity it's a mocking of the father son and the holy spirit right i understand what they're trying to say but it feels like somebody has just plucked this out of the sky And because it sounds cool and it sounds dramatic and it's sensationalised, it has stuck. 
So again, I want to be really clear. I'm not criticizing Jonah's story, but I think what has happened is that demons sell TV shows. And this idea that you can't just have a haunted house anymore. It has to be a demon. Or like in the, the case of Skinwalker Ranch. Or is it Stardust Ranch? No, it's in the case of Stardust Ranch. It's, you know, a TV show went in and investigated and they said it wasn't aliens. It was demons in the skies. And I personally just think it's a little bit dangerous for all of these quote unquote paranormal experts to be perpetuating this idea that if your house is being haunted... It is, you know, nine times out of ten, it's going to be demonic because that really scares people. Okay, that really frightens people. And it's something that people would get really worked up about. Anyway, that's my rant about demons. Sorry, Joan, I've just made massive assumptions about <laughs> about your ideas. But, I, I, you know, I definitely think some weird stuff was going on in that first house and some weird stuff was going on in the house that you moved into. But do I think it was demonic? No, I don't. So I don't think you need to worry about that one. I think it's reasonable to think that the house that you moved into, the rented house, had some carried some sort of echo from the time of the pilgrims and that it's entirely possible that something really traumatic happened and somehow you and your brother and the animals in the house were reliving that trauma. And it sounds absolutely terrifying, to be perfectly honest. And in regards to your experience with the witch in the middle of the night, I mean, that sounds absolutely horrendous. That you're having this horrible nightmare and then you can't come out of it because this thing is push, literally physically pushing you back into it. And I would not want to experience that myself, to be perfectly honest. But the takeaway from this story, I think, is that now you're sleeping well, you're happy, you can enjoy horror films and stuff without it impacting your sleep. And I wouldn't worry about it. And I would definitely never go back to that property, though. For sure. And story number two comes from Emily. I live in Southwest Virginia. And for people listening, not Southwest Virginia, but in the corner of Virginia. I live near Abingdon. The town was first settled in 1700s and many people passed through on their way out west, including Daniel Boone. We have many historical buildings, but one of our most infamous is the Martha Washington Inn. It was originally built in 1832 as a family home, but then later became a women's college, a civil war hospital, a barracks, and residents for the actors of the nearby Barter Theatre. There have been many, many stories throughout the years about multiple regular ghosts who haunt the inn and the property. They even have a torn, worn-out notebook at the front of their desk that they call the Ghost Book. People and staff have written down their accounts of eerie things that have happened while they have been there. My sister and I decided we were going to take our kids and go spend the night, one night, just for fun, as something different and we thought the kids would enjoy staying in a fancy hotel. My sister and I love all things paranormal and ghosts. One of our friends is a local storyteller, and she told us to ask about the ghost book. All night, my sister and I talked about ghosts and if we would see or hear anything. We meant to go get the ghost book that night and look through it, but we got busy with the kids and didn't. The next morning before checkout, my sister and I decided we need to get the notebook and read it. So we went to the front desk and they said of course we could look through it. We took it up to our room and read through all the entries with our kids sitting there. My sister said, let's write down the room numbers of the rooms where people said they saw and heard things and go and see them. We noticed one room in particular, room 103, was mentioned multiple times. So we found all the rooms pretty easily, but we were having trouble finding room 103. Finally, we found the hallway where it was. It was located towards the back of the hotel, down a flight of steps and around a corner. 
just so you can get an idea of what it looked like. It was a medium length hallway with probably 10 or so rooms with a room on the end. So there was only one way out of the hallway. The hallway was very narrow. The hallway was empty. There was no staff, no cleaning carts, no guests, no one. We started down the hallway and room 103's door was wide open. And I thought, okay, well, they're just cleaning the room after a guest has left. My sister, being slightly more brave than me, walked up to the room and peeked in. No one was there and the bed was made and nothing was out of place. There could be a million reasonable explanations for the door being open, but it just seems awfully odd to us that we'd been talking about the ghosts all night and we were specifically looking for that room and the door was wide open. My gut tells me it was paranormal. Oh, that is such a good idea to have a ghost book on the front desk. Right, so I've been trying to do this thing, this secret project that I keep calling a secret project. It's not really that secret. I just I just like the drama. I like the mystique. I like the intrigue. And honestly, it's so hard to find places who are willing to even tongue-in-cheek embrace that people have had ghostly experiences there. And I don't know whether it's like buildings just don't want to be associated with ghost stories or they think it's like uncouth to be associated with ghost stories or they're worried about the type of clientele that it might attract or I don't know but a lot of places are really reluctant to be involved in that kind of thing whereas I think if I had any sort of haunted establishment even if it was like suggestion of a haunting even if it was just old I'd be like yeah it's definitely haunted and I would embrace all the paranormal lovers that would come to stay for sure and I would definitely have A ghost book for people to write down their experiences. And story number three comes from Jordan. My parents met in the late 80s and they were both serving members of the military. Shortly after they met, both my parents were assigned to an Air Force base in Ontario. I was born there and my brother followed shortly afterwards. Roughly a year after my brother was born, we were transferred to the province of Quebec. We were located in a highly francophone region in Quebec where my father had been posted to an army base. My parents decided to buy a house in a neighbouring town. It wasn't a luxury home, but I enjoyed my time there as a kid. We had a large backyard which I spent a lot of time in. The history of the house was unknown to my family. From the looks of it, the house didn't appear haunted. It wasn't bent out of shape, it was just a 1970s cookie-cutter house in an ordinary middle-class neighbourhood. I suppose this might be one of the visions of what a basic family home would look like in North America. In this house, at three years old, everything started. We were what I thought was an average family, but happy and in good health. Nobody had any serious issues, the family dynamic was awesome, and my dad was incredibly creative and fun. For the most part, we were good children, we did well in our early school years, and we weren't too spoiled, especially because we couldn't afford to be. But my mother did everything she could to pamper me and my brother. She wanted a good life for us. She would save her money to ensure we always had new clothes and shoes for school. She also always told us good manners to treat people with respect and to not judge others. Despite their eventual separation, they remained amazing parents. They always did their best to offer us a good life. When we moved to this town, my mother sacrificed her service to follow my father's. I believe it was a fluke that they were previously posted to the same base because in the 1980s, career managers were not as accommodating to service couples as they are now in Canada. She decided to use this opportunity to raise her children and look after the home until we were old enough to look after ourselves. In this home, I had a small window in my bedroom on the left side 
that had a partial view of our large fenced-in backyard. I couldn't see anything though, since the window was located high enough on the wall and I was almost at the basement level. Plus, I was just a little guy. I vividly recall many details. My parents purchased my first bed for me when we moved into that house. It was lifted up onto a metal frame and painted bright red, like a maraschino cherry. There was also a railing that my parents later took off when I became older. It was between the ages of three and four years old, but well before kindergarten before I experienced something so impactful that it would forever be burned into my head until this day. Most nights we probably went to bed between 7 and 8 p.m. We were familiar with the routine and we followed it. We had a very military style of discipline in our home. Not only were my parents in the military, but so were the previous generations in my family, and that culture carried on. We weren't perfect kids, but I like to think we were well-behaved kids. One night, I awoke in my cherry red bed. I knew it was late because it was dark outside my window, but not so late that my parents were asleep because I could hear them talking upstairs with the TV on. I struggled to fall asleep, so I lay down on my bed, looked around the room like any curious child. I was getting uncomfortable, so I turned over to my left side, which would have been facing the door to my bedroom. It was dark enough in the room, but I was in my room long enough for my eyes to be well adapted to the darkness at this stage. The only light I had in my room was the gentle backside of a faint porch light and any ambient light from the moon, if any. I looked around the room and then I began to draw my attention to my bedroom door. It had passively piqued my interest because I noticed that the area located directly in front of my closed bedroom door was unusually dark. I remember being able to look at the surrounding walls, but not that specific area for some reason. I kept watching the black mass, and I looked away a few times, still looking around the room. I looked back at the door and in the confusion saw an opaque black figure in the outline of a person standing right there. It was probably around 8 feet away or so, give or take. I wasn't initially scared, and instead I think I kind of giggled, thinking it looked like a person and that some object in my room was obviously creating a very telling shadow of a humanoid. I kept looking into the shadows, but I started to realise that something seemed strange. The shadow itself was not on the wall, it was off the wall, in the room, standing like a person and opaquely black in colour. No light seemed to come through, it was not transparent, it was not translucent, it was a deep black hole. I was still confused and I didn't put too much thought into it, so I kept gazing. In one moment, I was relaxed and intrigued as to what was causing this image in front of me, but in the next, I was struck with paralysing fear as I started to see the figure moving towards me. It wasn't walking like a human or something I even recognised on the planet at that moment in my life. There were almost no features. There was no face, but I could clearly discern the shape of the body, the arms and legs and so on. He resembled a man. When the shadow approached me, it did so by walking. There was no fluid, human-like limbs moving around in a human-like or even earth-like fashion. This shadow would vanish, then reappear a step or two closer in a moment, as fast as a shutter can trigger on a camera. I didn't stop looking. I could not shout. I trembled. I cried. And I had my blankets set against my eyes. But I kept watching, as if it were a film. It continued to move itself towards me, disappearing, reappearing, disappearing, reappearing, 
until he stood right over me by my nightstand. I was petrified by that moment. With the speed, I threw my blankets over my head and I buried my face as deeply into the pillows and blankets as I could without suffocating. It never left. My eyes were closed, but it made no difference. Three of these shadows were penetrating their way into my mind even though my eyes were sealed shut. These shadows were continuously morphing into vivid and horrifying faces, shapes and unpicturesque images, all with the purpose to cause overwhelming fear. I could see them in my head. They were clear as day. It was almost like they were telling me, you can't hide from us. I felt them taking great pleasure in my fear. It was very dark and sinister and I couldn't get those figures to leave. I felt trapped, like a deer being surrounded by wolves. I could no longer bear it, as I knew I had no place to hide. Somehow, I had the courage to dash out of my room and scream for my parents. I remember running up the stairs to the living room, tripping on the way as I shouted, Mommy! Daddy! There's a man in my bedroom! I was emotionally distraught, weeping, trembling and hyperventilating. My mother did what I think most moms would do and tried to reassure their kid that it was just a dream and go back to sleep. I insisted on the fact that there was a man in my room. My parents took me back to bed, turned on the light and said a prayer while leaving a holy crucifix under my pillow. It's the only case I can recall in this specific town, but it wasn't my last experience. They came back at times later in life from the age of 9 to 18 and had much higher intensity. Oh, do you ever just feel like shallow people just need to get a life? <laughs> that seems very unfeeling about the dead, doesn't it? They just need to get a life. But no, shadow people just need to, they just need to go away. Like, whatever about scaring grown adults, but actively trying to scare small children, that's just unfair and it's very bullying energy and we are not here for that kind of behaviour. Thank you so much to Jonah, Emily and Jordan for sending in your stories. Thank you so much for listening. Remember the last story came from the 22nd of May 2021. And also remember that next week we'll be back with our normal two mini episodes and a main episode on Sunday. If you would like to know anything more about Real Life Ghost Stories, you can do so by checking out the website reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com. And on that note, I shall see you next time. <laughs>